Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. This week, we are talking about the 2022 Royal Rumble pay-per-view or fucking special event, whatever. I don't know what they're calling them now, but uh, it's still a pay-per-view in my heart. The 2022 Royal Rumble took place in St. Louis, Missouri in front of allegedly 44,000 people. And we've got a lot to talk about this this week. I'm going to... Oh, man, we're... Oh, man, this is not off to a good start. I... Whew, man, I, full disclosure before I get into this. I was I was looking forward to this show. The Royal Rumble, like, like with most people, you know, this is the pay-per-view that you look forward to the most every year. Because you never know what surprise entrance there's going to be and, and who, you know, who's going to WrestleMania. And, and I was really excited for about 20 minutes. And then that changed, you know, a little bit of a, a spoiler on that. I wasn't a huge fan of this show. I had thought last night, I'm recording obviously Sunday morning, I had thought last night after the show went off air, I'm like, okay, I need to pivot and find something else to talk about tomorrow, because I don't want to do this. It was, I I really did not enjoy this show. I'm going to try my best to power through this and try my best to make sure this isn't an hour-long episode, even though it probably will be, especially whenever we start talking about a certain somebody that was in the Women's Rumble that I just cannot fucking stand. But let's start off with... Honestly, probably the biggest positive of the night, and that's the opening match. Real quick, in my notes, I had, oh my god. So I'm looking at all my notes right now, and and right at the beginning, the first thing I wrote was, how far will the forbidden door open? Not very fucking far. So let's let's get into opening match. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins comes through the crowd dressed up in Shield gimmick, coming out to the Shield song. I I actually almost popped for that. I thought that was cool. I'm guessing now, like according to my my wife and uh, according to the commentary team who kept referring to him as this, I guess like his legit nickname now is Freakin'. Like they just can't call him Seth Rollins anymore. He's Seth Freakin' Rollins. Uh, I hate that. That's fucking stupid, and please stop that. Admittedly, like I've talked about on here before, I have not been watching the WWE product, so I, I really can't tell, but who is supposed to be the heel here? Like, Seth is being like a super twat about everything, but Roman still has like his whole resting bitch face kind of thing going on. I can see a case for both of them being a heel, but I feel like I would actually appreciate this match more if I actually watched some of the build. Because, yeah, like, that was all really confusing to me. I'm like, I don't know, like, who who's the who's the bad guy here? I'm not 100% sure. They both seem like fucking bad guys to me. Like, they had a video package talking a little bit about the feud, but even that, like, it was just both of them being dicks. I didn't really know who am I as a fan supposed to boo in this match. I had no idea. But outside of that, that was really only my major complaints. The match starts hot with a bunch of dives to the outside from Seth onto Roman. Seth power bombs Roman into the announce table pretty early on in the match. After that, Seth gets Roman back in the ring. He hits him with a buckle bomb and then follows that up with a curb stomp and then Roman kicks out. Roman gets a a bruised left eye pretty early on. I don't know when that happened. I don't know if that happened with the power bomb spot outside or what. But uh, Seth was definitely putting it in. Roman starts his comeback with a couple of his greatest hits with a Seth kick out. Seth counters a spear with a half-ass pedigree. Like he didn't he didn't hook the arms or nothing. He kind of just just jumped and fell. 
Uh, and then they go for a pinatup, and Roman was late kicking out because Charles Robinson's hand totally hits the fucking mat for the three. And then it's like right after you hear his hand make contact, that's when Roman kicked out. That was that was a bit of a botch. Outside of that, I think they recovered very well. Seth is just continuing to be a super huge twat, and Roman just keeps getting annoyed. And I'm actually pretty into that. Like, I, I at this point, I don't fucking care who the heel is. I just see Seth annoying Roman, and it's working. <laughs> Roman has Seth Rollins in a guillotine close to the ropes. Charles Robinson's doing the whole pick up and drop the hand spot. Charles just straight up picks up Seth's hand and drops it on the fucking rope for him. Like, he brings his hand to the rope straight up. That was... Whew, Charles, you're a little slow these days, bud. Roman does not release the hold, even though Seth has a hold of the bottom rope, and referee administers a five count. Roman never lets go. So Roman loses by disqualification. Uh, well, so much for all of that, I guess. Roman then slides out of the ring and grabs a chair and brings it back in to recreate that huge shield implosion moment, except this time Roman is in Seth's position. And I really like how they did it because Seth sold that chair shot the exact same way that Roman sold the chair shot. So I actually really like how they did that. Normally, I would bury a match with this kind of non-finish, but honestly, from a kayfabe perspective, I dig it. I imagine, and that's... <laughs> Hindsight doesn't uh, agree with this, but I imagine that this will bleed over into WrestleMania, and I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. Show, in my opinion, is off to a decent start. The match gets a B. So those last couple of lines. That was, that was fucking wishful thinking. Yeah, I imagine this will bleed over into WrestleMania. Uh, the, uh, I don't know. Right now, I'm not 100% sure. I think... We'll talk about it a little bit later. It's possible that these two could still meet at WrestleMania, but it's it's, it's not going to be the same thing. And uh, show is off to a decent start. Yeah, that was also wishful thinking. Uh, the first match was decent. I did like the first match. Like I said, I gave it a B. It was short. Every match that wasn't a Rumble was short, which, I mean, honestly, that's probably how you need to do it now that you have two Rumbles that you know are both going to go about an hour. But yeah, this was actually surprisingly, I, I, I actually didn't realize this till just now, this was the longest of the non-Rumble matches. It was 14 minutes. It didn't feel like it was 14 minutes. It felt like it was less than 10, but easily and like by a lot, my favorite match on the show. It's only going downhill now, folks. Let's talk about the second match, the Women's Royal Rumble. I have got the list of competitors right here in front of me. I'm probably not going to go through everybody. I'm just going to hit some of the stuff that I've got in my notes here and some of like the big surprise entrance. There wasn't that many, but <laughs> the big surprise entrance I'll go over. I've got a few beats to, to talk about. But yeah, we're not going to go through the entirety of the 30 women that were in this match. But we do start off with Sasha Banks entering at number one, dressed as Sailor Moon, which is something I did not know I was into, but I am. I get the feeling in my stomach whenever she comes out at number one, like I'm getting like potential Iron Woman vibes here, right? Like she's going to be in this match for the long haul. I was wrong. Um, I'll be wrong a lot throughout this. Melina comes out at number two, which is uh, one of my my all-time favorites, and she goes to do the, the spot where she does the split on the ring apron, and the biggest fucking heel in professional wrestling, Kevin Dunn, changes the camera angle because he's a piece of shit and I fucking hate him. Melina and Sasha go at it, then Melina immediately gets sent out of the ring before number three comes out. You know, I kind of wanted to see Melina in there a little bit longer. Like, it's still cool because, in all honesty, this is outside of Mickey J. James, this is really the only quote-unquote forbidden door 
act that we got because Melina, I believe, is still with the NWA. That's really as far as the Forbidden Door is going to go tonight, folks. Zelina Vega comes out at number seven and shortly after throws out Sasha Banks. So, so much for that Iron Woman claim that I was making at the beginning of this. I, just, I really got those vibes. Like, Sasha Banks is, is kind of the real workhorse of that women's division. I just had a feeling like I didn't necessarily think she was going to win, but I totally thought she was going to be one of the final four after coming out of number one. But then, yeah, Zelina Vega comes out and throws out Sasha in pretty quick succession. So that was, all right, kind of uh, anticlimactic, but all right, let's 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 move on. Sonya comes out at number 11 and decides to go hang out with the commentary team. She's doing some whole jacket on, jacket off shtick where, like, if she's wearing a jacket, then that means that she's a WWE official. If she takes the jacket off, then she's a wrestler. So that was goofy. So she, like, comes and hangs out with commentary for a little bit, right? Then Cameron comes out at number 13. Which, at first, I was like, why in the flying fuck did they call Cameron? Is this the same Cameron that forgot that you have to pin somebody while they're laying face up on the mat? Because I don't know why the fuck she's in this match. But they did because I guess apparently Sonya is in a feud with Naomi. So she says something on commentary like, oh, would Naomi be upset if I threw out Cameron? Then she takes her jacket off, runs in the ring, and throws her out real quick. Then, of course, the most obvious shit in the world happens. Naomi comes out at 14. A little bit later on, Charlotte Flair comes out at number 17, and she is setting up Naomi to eliminate her. Then Sonya Deville runs out to the ring to help Charlotte eliminate Naomi. Kind of glad that we're we're done with whatever this is. Uh, I imagine it's probably going to be a WrestleMania match. It'll be the WrestleMania match that everybody gets up and uh, goes to get popcorn for. Then shortly after Charlotte comes out, number 18 is Ivory coming out in full right to censor gear. This was probably the thing that I popped the most for. She comes out with a microphone and proceeds to talk shit the entire time she walks to the ring and in the ring. She gets in the ring. She gets face-to-face with Rhea Ripley talking shit to her. Rhea picks her up over the top rope and throws her out while Ivory continues to talk shit. Uh, That was unfortunately probably my favorite spot of the whole match. I, I am a mark for Ivory. I think she was definitely one of the most underrated women in the Attitude Era. And I, I I love the right to censor gimmick. Like, that's honestly, how do you have a better heel gimmick than that? Like, the amount of heat they got was astronomical. Mickey James comes out at number 20 with the Impact title, just like she said she would. This was cool for a lot of reasons. Like, it, 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 at this point, it's not uncommon for other companies to feature wrestlers that are champions in other promotions. But this is not something the WWE does. Like, this is this is very much uncharted territory for the WWE. So it was really cool that they were willing to do this. Like, they told Mickie James, hey, we want you for the Rumble. And they let her, they're like, hey, you can keep your fucking Impact theme song. You can come out with your Impact title. We are not going to WWE your shit up. And I actually really appreciate that. And that was really cool. And she didn't come out and get immediately fucking thrown out like Melina did. They actually let Mickie get some shit in. She, had, she reignited her beef with Michelle McCool. Of course, they had a a pretty infamous feud in the mid to late 2000s, the whole Piggy James thing. I don't really want to get into that. Uh, If you guys haven't seen it, normally I tell you if you haven't seen it, go watch it. You don't have to. You really don't have to watch it. It wasn't great. But yeah, it it was still cool to see them them working in there. And, you know, Mickey, Mickey can still go with the best of them. And that's I think out of a lot of the the women that they brought in from that era, you know, the the Kelly Kelly, Melina, Michelle McCool, all of them, I think Mickey, out of all of them, 
can probably put on the best match. And yeah, just just all of this was super cool to see. And then right after that, a number 21, out comes Alicia Fucks. I fucking miss Noam Dar. What's that guy doing right now? Does he still work for NXT UK? Anyway, Alicia Fucks comes out with a uh, with a new look. She's got like sleeve tattoos now. And she gets in the ring and proceeds to not be very great. I, I feel I feel awful just saying it, but like I don't think she wasn't necessarily known as a workhorse to begin with. But she like right out of the gate, even my wife was commenting that her offense was really, really sloppy. But uh, a few positions later, we get another surprise entrance. Sarah Logan comes out at number 25, and Liv Morgan is just glowing. She's so excited because her and Sarah were a part of the Riot Squad back in the day. I was never a big Sarah Logan fan, and I think a lot of it had to do with, for whatever reason, they let her cut promos, and she is just one of the worst promos I've ever heard in my fucking life. But I understand the reference, and and this is definitely cool. Liv sold the fuck out of it. She was like, I, she was literally crying to see Sarah, which is stuff like that is really cool to see in these matches. But it doesn't last very long because basically right after Sarah gets in the ring, the Bella Twins throw her the fuck out. Which oh, that's why? Why did we do this? Why are the Be- number one? Why are the Bella Twins there first? Like, oh, I mean, I get it. I guess you need to. You need to pad your numbers. You fired most of the fucking women that work for your company. I get that. But, like, why do they have to be dominant in all of these matches? Like, they weren't good. Like, am I missing something? Were they, like, world beaters and I just wasn't paying attention? Anyway, let's move on from that. Right after that, at number 26, Lita comes out to a huge ovation. And the production team immediately teases a potential WrestleMania match between Lita and Charlotte because they are facing off in the ring and the camera has framed them perfectly to where the WrestleMania sign is in between the two of them. So that 1000% means that Charlotte is going to wrestle Lita at WrestleMania. I love Lita. And I definitely love seeing her in these rumbles. I know that I, I watched a promo the other day that she, I guess she was on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago and she had said something about how they didn't have these kinds of opportunities when she was coming up. There was no Women's Royal Rumble. And now that there is, she wants to be involved. I think she totally fucking forgot that she was a part of the first one. But outside of that, like, this is all really cool. I do love Lita. I, I don't know how good I can expect a singles match between Lita and Charlotte to be, but... You know, I'll definitely give it the benefit of the doubt because Charlotte, you know, I know that a lot of people have soured on Charlotte in recent years, all the reports of her attitude not exactly being the best, but she is one of, if not the best technical wrestler in the women's division. And Lita, of course, is a legend that everybody loves. So I'm sure that'll be fun. Right after that, Mighty Molly Holly comes out at number 27. And then before she can get in the ring, she gets jumped by Nikki A.S.H., And I fucking popped so hard. Just the goofy visual of a woman in a fucking cape walking to the ring and then just getting fucking mollywopped by another woman with a cape. It it was fucking hilarious. Whether it was intentionally meant to be or not, I loved that so fucking much. It was amazing. (laughs) And then right after that, the match gets significantly less amazing. The buzzer for number 28 hits, and out comes... Ronda Rousey. I groaned so fucking hard 
whenever this happened. I know a lot of there were a lot of speculation, a lot of reports saying that Ronda was expected to be at the Rumble. I tried my best to avoid all of that shit, and I, I mean, number one, I don't like getting spoiled on anything with these Royal Rumbles. I think that journalists should just fuck off whenever it comes to spoilers. Let stuff actually play out. Let us be fans. And I, I, I really didn't want to see Ronda for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to get into them in, in just a moment, but let's let's go ahead and finish up the match here. Uh, she comes in hot with some of that terrible fucking boxing that she's known for. Uh, actually, her entire offense looks like shit, which I don't think anybody expected anything different. She hasn't been in a WWE ring in a few years, and she wasn't that good whenever she was in it to begin with. Shotzi Blackheart comes out at number 29. Shayna Baszler comes out at number 30. The final four sees Charlotte Flair, Bianca, Shayna Baszler, and Ronda. Charlotte immediately eliminates Bianca and Shayna at the same time. I typed here, this is, oh my god, I, I, I literally typed here, bruh, if Ronda wins, I riot. Then the second later, she fucking wins. And then I typed, Ronda won, I riot. <laughs> I was, oh my god, I was so fucking mad. My final notes are some fun moments, but overall, I really wasn't super into this match. It was a decent match with a real fucking bummer for a finish. Like, I, I think that if the, if, if the winner was literally anybody else, I probably could have gave it a higher grade. I straight up did knock it down because of the winner, but I gave the match a C plus. It could have been a B minus if literally anybody else won. Cause like there was some fun spots, like some of the, the unannounced legends that came out, it was fun. They didn't really get to do anything of substance. Like with ivory and my, and with mighty Molly, they were both in the match for all of like 10 fucking seconds. But it's still neat getting to see people that you haven't seen in a long time. That's always a joy, and that's something that you can usually count on the Royal Rumble for, to really scratch that nostalgia itch, you know what I mean? But this this finish, I fucking hated. Now, I'm about to go on a, on a rant here for a little bit. If you guys don't want to hear this, go ahead and fast forward at least five minutes, because this is going to go. I cannot fucking stand Ronda Rousey, and I'm going to tell you the fuck why. Before she went to the WWE, she was obviously a women's mixed martial artist. She was one of the longest reigning champions in the UFC. I think I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but but I, I'm a video game tester. I've been doing that for a very long time. This year actually makes nine years that I've been a tester. And one of the first games that I worked on was the EA UFC games. And myself and a lot of my colleagues loved going to Buffalo Wild Wings every few weeks to watch the pay-per-views. And I got so fucking sick of Ronda Rousey so fast for so many reasons. One of them, yes, it gets boring when if you have 10 fights in a row that this person wins by arm bar in the first round. That just like, it's like, why am I even here? I know how the fight's going to end. Why am I fucking here? For whatever reason, and this is honestly to her credit, she was a one-trick pony. She fucking knew she was a one-trick pony. It was fucking judo toss to the mat put them in an arm bar, tap them out every single fucking fight. And everybody in the women's division knew that shit and they couldn't stop Ronda from doing it. She is a bronze medalist in judo in the Olympics. So she, she legit is really good at judo, but that shit got so fucking boring to watch. And then it made it so much worse because all of her pre and post match promos, any of the interviews that she did with, with fucking ESPN or Fox or whoever they were affiliated at the time, she never ever came off like a likable person. She always came off like a fucking asshole. If you guys have not seen 
the season of the Ultimate Fighter. I want to say it's season 13. I could be wrong. But the coaches are Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate. If you can watch the first couple of episodes of that season of the Ultimate Fighter and still like Ronda Rousey afterwards, something's wrong because she was a fucking asshole. Just there is zero likability about Ronda. She thinks the fucking world owes her a favor, and it's it's just not a likable quality in a human being, right? And what makes matters even worse for her, you know, people start figuring out eventually that she only knows how to fucking judo toss you to the ground and fucking do the armbar. That's all she knows how to do. Well, she gets aggravated that people are, are talking shit about her abilities, so she fuck. I don't know if it was Instagram or what, she goes out of her way to post a video of her doing some boxing training with her coach and she posted on online talking about oh look at how much of a badass I am I know how to do more than just one thing guys I'm telling you right now these are the worst fucking punches I've ever seen a human being throw in my life I've seen six-year-olds throw punches that looked cleaner than this shit did she's like fucking twisting her hands sideways as she punches like it's it's the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen and she's bragging like, like, she put this fucking video out, and she's like, oh, look at how fast my hands are. Yeah, but that's fucking terrible punches that are going to break your fucking wrist. Like, what are you, why are you bragging about that? And, and I think a lot of the problem has to do with this coach that she had, Edmund, whatever his name, Edmund Targaryen or some shit, I don't know. He's fucking horrendous. This dude is the worst coach in the history of any sport in the fucking world. This dude's such a bad coach. Whenever Rhonda and Travis Brown started dating, Travis started training with her and her shit coach, right? Travis, for any of you guys that aren't familiar, was a fucking world beater in the UFC. Like, he was constantly in a top five contender in the heavyweight division. Dude was a fucking monster. Big dude. Like, 6'5", 6'6", 260 pounds. Fucking legit badass, right? He goes and trains with Ronda Rousey, and starting off in 2016, he loses four fights in a row. He's, first off, before this never lost back-to-back fights, he didn't even have four losses on his fucking record, and he loses four fights in a goddamn row. And instead of going, huh, I wonder if this training camp change is what fucked me up and started getting my ass kicked, instead of saying that, he says, ah, I guess it's just time to retire, and fucking retires. It's... It, this fucking coach is horrendous. Ronda Rousey's mom knew this guy sucked, and Ronda just stayed with him for some dumbass reason. Of course, she gets found out, and Holly Holm winds up fighting her and knocks her fucking head off whenever she does. Makes Ronda look dumb. Ronda winds up disappearing for like a year, year and a half, whatever it was. Talks about how it was the worst day of her life. Nothing even compares. She was just so down in the dirt. Man, I'd love for that to be my worst day in the night. I wouldn't mind taking a million dollars to get my fucking head kicked in by somebody. Either way, she winds up coming back to the UFC. Year, year and a half later, whenever it was. I can't exactly remember. And instead of working her way back up to title contention, they immediately put her in with the new women's bantamweight champion, who happens to be Amanda Nunez. For some odd reason, Ronda Rousey thinks that her and her terrible fucking striking has a chance against Amanda Nunez. It does not. Amanda beats the fucking dog shit out of her in like 45 seconds, just murks her the second the fucking bell rings. And what does Ronda respond with? By retiring from the UFC and joining the WWE to have one of the worst run of matches I've ever seen in my life. That is why I don't like Ronda Rousey. Go watch any interview with her and just, just listen to her say words 
and I think you'll get why I'm so aggravated right now. I can't fucking stand, like, there's, there are so many talented women in this promotion. I know that, you know, there were a lot more a few months ago, and the WWE got rid of them, I understand that, but there's so many talented women in this promotion that, that would have been perfect for winning this Royal Rumble. Sasha Banks, like I said earlier, I expected her to at least go all the way to the end. She didn't. Charlotte's a constant. I know that a lot of people probably wouldn't have wanted to see her get another win, but I mean, she is a constant. She is very good at what she does. Mickie James, that would have been super cool to have the Impact Women's Champion going into WrestleMania, potentially fighting for a WWE Women's Championship. That would have been awesome to see, but this just... Such a fucking bummer, man. Just, just, I think, like, literally the worst possible fucking outcome is what we got. And I'm just so bummed out by it. And it, it ruins the next couple of segments for me because I'm just so irritated. Finally, moving on from that, we get Becky Lynch versus Viper. I will not refer to her by her slave name, Dewdrop. I I understand that WWE has their own idea for people's characters and they want you to use their name so that it's something they can own. And, and I get that. And while WWE doesn't have the best track record with coming up with their own names, Dewdrop is literally the worst fucking thing that they possibly could have come up with for anybody. I'm going to call her Viper because that's a significantly fucking better name and I will not recognize that dumb shit. Before the match starts, Becky Lynch makes her entrance and the first thing that I notice is that horrendous fucking entrance graphic. I don't know when they started doing this for everybody where they have these giant fucking LED projection graphics during their entrances, but they're terrible and they need to stop, especially Becky's because it's like a humongous version of her and it just looks horrible. Like Becky's a very attractive woman. You would be fooled if the first image you ever saw of her was those fucking terrible entrance projections. Right after the match gets started, the crowd gets super fucking distracted right out of the gate. Like there's a sleeper hold spot in the middle of the ring and the entire crowd is just looking to the right. They are not at all looking at this fucking match. I wound up getting on my phone to see what was going on. Apparently the WrestleMania sign caught fire because that sign would rather burn itself than have Ronda Rousey point at it. But the air immediately just gets sucked out of the room. Like nobody is responding to anything about this match. Like it's kind of the same thing as when you watch those empty arena matches that we had a couple of years ago. It's really hard to get invested into those matches when nobody is verbally responding to stuff. And that is, I got a bad flashback from 2020 watching this match because the crowd wasn't into it, so I wasn't into it. Match doesn't go super long, goes about 13 minutes, which I, it didn't even feel like it went 13. It felt like it went like five but I, I wasn't into it. There's nothing really spectacular about the match to report. I give it a C minus. And, and I feel bad because I feel like the biggest problem was the WrestleMania sign catching fire. And it takes the entirety of this segment to take care of it. So, yeah, I, I feel kind of bad for Becky and Viper here. I kind of hope that they maybe eventually get to run this back. I don't know what the future of that feud is. But, but yeah, C minus. I, I feel bad about saying it, too. Like, it, it wasn't a bad match at all. But it, it wasn't entertaining which is kind of going to be a theme throughout the rest of the show. After that, you have got Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. These are two guys that I've never been a super huge fan of either one of them. Brock, like Ronda, also had a UFC run where, you know, he started off very successful and then wasn't so successful. Brock is, in a lot of ways, similar to Ronda. 
Like he has this very dominant UFC run, then gets his ass kicked for a couple of matches in a row, then immediately tucks tail and goes back to the WWE. He's got he's got a lot of opinions that I'm sure people don't agree with. The same thing as Ronda. But I don't know, just he doesn't seem like as much of an asshole. Like he just seems like he's just antisocial as to where Ronda seems like she's just actively an asshole. But yeah, I've never been a Lesnar fan, but I, I also don't hate the guy. I think that this is a good matchup, him and Bobby Lashley. I think they both came in with similar pedigrees. And speaking of, they show this opening video package at the beginning that show that does a really, really good job of showing the similarities between them. Brock as an NCAA standout. You know, if this guy would have went to the Olympics, he would have done amazingly. And it wouldn't have surprised me if he would have gotten a gold medal. Bobby Lashley goes into the Army, wrestles in the Army, fucking absolute badass. These guys have very similar trajectories whenever they got into wrestling. Both leave wrestling to pursue mixed martial arts. Bobby was fucking, I think Bobby retired undefeated as a mixed martial artist. I'm not 100% sure. Let me let me actually double check that real quick. No, so Bobby was 15-2. and two. He had two losses on his record, one against Chad Griggs and one against James Thompson. Bobby had a, a bunch of fights. He had a couple of fights in Strike Force. He had a bunch of fights in, the Bell in Bellator. You know, never went to the UFC like Brock, but I mean, still was a very accomplished mixed martial artist. Had a couple of heavyweight titles to his name. But yeah, so anyway, there, there's a lot of similarities between these two guys. And like I said, I think that the opening video package does a really good job of showing that. They both come out to just horrendous fucking graphics, just like Becky's. I, I literally typed, I hate these fucking graphics and all caps lock. They have to do something about that. Like, who likes them? That's what I want to know. Like, is there any fan out there, any of you guys that are listening to the show, if you actually like these entrance graphics, Please send me an email at Main Event Heat and tell me that you like them, and I'll shut the fuck up about them. The thing is, I don't believe that there is a possibility that anybody likes these fucking things because they are just horrendous. Match opens up. They get a couple of collar and elbow tie-up standoffs immediately. After the second one, Brock hits a German suplex. They tie up again, and Bobby hits a German suplex of his own. And this match immediately just becomes a pissing contest right after that. Lashley counters the first F5 attempt with a couple of spears. Bobby misses a spear attempt on the outside and sends himself through the timekeeper area hard as fuck. Like, that was that was almost hard to watch. He fucking sent it. Back in the ring, Brock hits about 47 German suplexes in a row. I guess we're going to be doing this shit again. Lashley powers through and puts Brock in the master lock. Brock sends Bobby into the ref to break up the hold. Brock then takes out the ref again with an F5 because this match totally needed more ref bumps. He goes for a pin. Ref can't count it, obviously. Roman comes out and spears Brock. He gets Paul E to hand him the WWE title and bonks Brock Lesnar with it. Bobby then covers Brock Lesnar as Roman and Paul E leave together. Like, all right, this is a serious question. Is Vince Russo back in the WWE? Like I, this, this has Vince Russo bullshit written all the fuck over it. So like, so let's just go over the last month, right? Back at day one, at the beginning of the month, Brock Lesnar is supposed to wrestle Roman Reigns for his universal title, right? Roman can't make it due to illness. So Brock, instead of just not being on the show, gets put as a part of the multi-man match for the WWE title that Big E is holding, right? Brock wins that match. The next night on Raw, Paulie dangerously comes out and says that he is affiliated with Brock Lesnar once again. They're back to their same old bullshit. Less than a month later, Brock is defending his belt against Bobby Lashley. Roman comes out, causes Brock to lose the match, and then Paulie leaves with Roman. 
why did they do any of that shit at day one? Like, you didn't need to do that. You literally could have just not had the match between Brock and Roman, waited a couple of weeks, and then picked the feud up. Like, why the fuck did Big E have to lose his belt to Brock for three weeks for it to just get dropped to Bobby in a fucking dusty finish like this? Like, why the fuck? Why did any of this need to happen? This really feels like a swerve for the sake of a swerve. This is so fucking stupid. This has Vince Russo written all fucking over it. I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, launch an investigation. That fucking guy works for the WWE again. I know for a fact he does. I had high hopes coming into this. Like this looked like it could be a really, really solid match, especially with that great opening video package. But it was a fucking dud. I give this a D plus and I think that's being generous. After that, you have got Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. I am not into this feud at all. One of the first notes that I wrote is, I'm just hoping that Maurice being hot is enough to keep me entertained. Uh, yeah, it kind of was. Um, this commentary team is insufferable. This is, at this point, it's, it's Jimmy Smith, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxon. I've never, ever liked the Corey Graves and Byron Saxon stuff. I, I like Jimmy okay whenever he was in Bellator. Like, I've never had a high opinion on him either way. But just, he doesn't help the terrible dynamic between Graves and Saxon. Like, it's, it's absolutely insufferable. And I type that it's wild whenever my least favorite announced team isn't the one with Michael Cole. And what's crazy is, like, the Cole and Pat McAfee announced team, Michael Cole's not even my least favorite part of that announced team. This is fucking weird. We're living in some kind of alternate dimension where Michael Cole is potentially my favorite announcer on the main roster. Uh, right after that, you know, I, I immediately follow up on my thought of I'm just hoping that Maurice being hot is enough to keep me entertained. Maurice and, and The Miz make their way out to the ring and I type Maurice is busting out of her top. Focus won't be a problem. <laughs> It wasn't. Corey is talking a whole hell of a lot in the early part of the match about what it means to be a good parent and a good husband. I would have left that shit on the cutting room floor. I don't think Corey Graves is necessarily the guy to have those kind of opinions. Like, And I get it, it's probably self-deprecating in a way, but it's it's cringy from a, uh, from a fan perspective. Pretty typical couple versus couple match. Mostly Edge versus Miz with Maurice trying to do some fuck shit on the outside. Eventually, Beth does square up to the Miz, but Maurice bonks Beth over the head with a fucking brick, which is wild. Like, that's who just carries a fucking brick with him. Maurice works over Beth for a little bit until Beth gets the hot tag to Edge. Beth power bombs Miz shortly thereafter. Edge follows that up with an elbow drop from the top rope. Maurice hits Edge with a top rope hurricanrana, then blatantly waves Beth into the ring to do the next spot. I hate that so much. And it's and Maurice is not the only person on this card that did that. And it's it's definitely a sign of somebody that either isn't a great wrestler, hasn't been wrestling for a long time, or hasn't wrestled in a long time. And we know which one she is. Maurice has not had a match in a very long time. I think the last match she had was the couple's match against Cena and Nikki. Whew, that was a long time ago. But yeah, she just waves Beth in. Hey, come over here and do the next spot, uh, which was awkward. A little bit after that, Miz and Maurice tease a double skull-crushing finale, even though Maurice never actually gets into position worth a damn for it. Beth intervenes, and her and Edge hit a double spear on the Miz. And then Edge picks up Miz, Beth picks up Maurice, 
and they both hit glam slams and stereo for the win, which was cool. Like that's you. It, it's not uncommon whenever you have in these couple matches that the wife or the girlfriend does the moves of the man. But I think this might be the first time that the husband actually does the wife's move. And that was really cool to see. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I did like this finish. I am personally not into couples matches, mostly just because of the predictability of them. Like you can, you can tell exactly how a couples match is going to go the second that it starts. The only quote unquote shock was that they both finished the match with a glam slam as to where you would expect a a double spear or something like that, you know, but that's really the only difference. Like I, I wasn't super into the match, but it wasn't a bad match whatsoever. I believe that the competitors did do enough to entertain the crowd, which they desperately needed after the last couple of matches. Myself, I was more concerned with Maurice, but that's neither here nor there. I give it a C plus though. And I, I wanted to give it a little bit more, but it just, you know, it was entertaining for the live crowd. But for myself, like I said, I just, I wasn't super into it. You know, it, it did only go 12 and a half minutes, but yeah, I just, I just wasn't super into it. After the match, production rolls a Sasha Banks hype package for some fucking reason that I have no idea why. Uh, then they have a WrestleMania package where I hear I hear in the WrestleMania package and I hear Pat McAfee at commentary refer to this year's WrestleMania as stupendous. Now, it's not uncommon for there to be like an it word that Vince wants the guys to get in as much as they possibly can on commentary when they're talking about WrestleManias. Stupendous just isn't a good word, though, is it? Like, I just that that doesn't hit very well to me. Like That sounds like some nerd shit. That aside, we go into the men's Royal Rumble. Oh. <sighs> All right, let's whew, let's get through this. I'm going to try to stick with the notes just so we can blow through this as quick as we can. AJ comes out at number one. Once again, I'm getting Iron Man vibes. I am wrong. I did not learn from Sasha Banks. His gear looks a lot like what he wore whenever he debuted. I don't know if it is exactly what he wore, but it's definitely the same color scheme, the black and the blue. And I really like that. I, I love the throwback. You know, and they, I felt like they were really teasing that AJ could potentially win this because, like, he got an interview before the show and, you know, they, they showed the video package of him debuting at the Royal Rumble six years ago and they really made it seem like he could really win this and then they immediately fucking ruined that. Shinsuke comes out at number two. Uh, my hope was that this was going to be more like Wrestle Kingdom Shinsuke versus AJ and less like WrestleMania Shinsuke versus AJ. They had some solid strike exchanges between the two of them, but of course they only get about a minute to work before number three comes out, which number three was Austin Theory. Uh, after Austin Theory comes out number three, Robert Rude comes out at number four, and Pat McAfee, I feel like Pat McAfee must listen to Stephen Larson at Going In Raw, because they're the only people that I've ever heard refer to Robert Rude as Bob Rude, and that's all that Pat McAfee calls him as Bob Rude. And that's just, like, I'm telling you right now, this dude fucking listens to Going In Raw. And if he does, I like McAfee more than I did going into the show. Rude and AJ square off for a little bit to a chorus of TNA chants, which was really cool. Then Rude gets eliminated really fucking quickly right after that, which was less cool. Johnny Knoxville comes out at number nine and fucking double legs Sami Zayn fucking just starts laying down lefts and rights on Sami Zayn like he fucking owes him money. Look, I'm totally cool with celebrity appearances and rumble matches. Like, that's the one place where you can do it. But, like, they let Knoxville fucking manhandle Sammy the second he gets in the ring. Johnny Knoxville, who weighs like a buck fifteen soaking wet and is in his fucking 50s. 
I I really hope that they pad the lope for my boy Sammy on this. Like, I really hope that backstage Pritchard come up and was like, look, if you do this for us, we'll give you like an extra 20 grand. Like, that's, I really fucking hope they, they, they hook my boy up for doing that spot for Johnny. AJ Styles then lays out Johnny Knoxville with five or six strikes in a row. I don't know why it took that many. He really should have only had to hit him with one. Montez Ford hits Johnny Knoxville with a frog splash. Ridge Holland picks Knoxville up. Then Sammy sends him out of the ring with a haluva kick. And that's about as good as that could have been. Like, that's that could have been a hell of a lot worse. You definitely don't want celebrities to overstay their welcome. It's, it's wild to me that they let Johnny get off the offense on Sammy. I think that's because, I guess for whatever reason, Sammy's a punching bag in WWE now, which is kind of fucked. But, you know, if he's cool with it, I'm cool with it, I guess. And then I guess just the shock factor of, like, why the fuck would one of the guys from the Jackass crew be able to whoop somebody's ass? So I guess it was just enough to pop the crowd, which it sounded like it worked. But it didn't overstay its welcome. Knoxville was out before the next guy came in, so I'm fine with it. Chad Gable comes out at number 13 and tries to rally the troops and get everyone to attack some guy named Edward James Omos. Uh, It eventually does work out. Matt Riddle comes out at number 20, and I am really appreciating that in a Royal Rumble, you can't do the big stupid fucking graphics, so whenever he tosses his flip-flops, you don't see the flying pigeons, which, really thankful for that. I think every match should be a Royal Rumble if that's the only workaround that we can do. Couple of positions later, Kevin Owens enters the match, and he yeets Kofi Kingston out of the ring onto the guardrails, and it looked like Kofi was going to be setting up one of his big Royal Rumble spots where, like, he gets thrown out, but, like, he never touches the floor, so he finds some way to finagle his way back into the ring, Uh, but it didn't work because his feet touched the floor. I'm going to be honest with you, I couldn't really tell if this is a botch. The reason is because the match didn't really suffer from it. You would kind of expect people to be standing around for a minute going, oh, fuck, what are we supposed to do? Kofi was supposed to be doing this thing right now, but that really didn't happen. The match didn't suffer from it, and every everybody just kind of moved on really quickly. So I couldn't tell if it was a botch and Kofi was supposed to do another one of their spots, or if this was literally going to be, hey, what if you tease the spot and couldn't actually do it? Honestly, I, I could easily see them weaving this into a story where, like, Kofi feels like his best days are behind them. Like, they, they literally, this could be a story, but I couldn't tell. Um, I think the reason that I'm leaning on it not being a botch is because I want to say the guardrail spot that he was setting up, I think he's already done that before. Like, typically, he tries to do a different spot every year. I think he's already done one where he gets launched into the guardrails, just holds on, and then climbs up and walks across the guardrail and jumps back into the ring. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure they've already done that. And, yeah, it it really wouldn't surprise me if this was just, like, an actual story point. Like, he is, is losing a step, and that becomes a big thing, maybe like a passing the torch moment. A few more entrants after that. At number 27, you get Bad Bunny coming out to the ring, which, you know, a lot of people are into Bad Bunny. I'm not. Whenever he debuted, I heard a lot of people talk about how, oh, he's this great rapper, you know, don't let the fact that his music is in Spanish fool you. He's actually really good. And, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, yes, it it can help you enjoy a song better if you know what the fucking words are. You know, I listened to his music because everybody said, oh, he's so good, and he's got like a billion fans on Spotify or whatever. It just sounds like some fucking guy making rap music. Like, it's no better than Pitbull to me. And Pitbull, in my opinion, isn't that great. Like, I really, really don't understand the hype about Bad Bunny. But, you know, I can admit that he's definitely put in the work in the gym because he's learned a couple of spots. He knows how to do some things in the ring. And and, and it's not it's not like a Johnny Knoxville thing where, like, he can come out to the ring and just kind of get his ass kicked and not do anything. Like, this guy actually knows a couple of things. 
Number 28, Shane O'Mac comes out. And this is probably the most hype that I've been all night, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> because there's no reason that Shane O'Mac entering the Royal Rumble in one of the very few surprise spots should be my biggest pop of the night. I was a big Shane O fan whenever I was a kid. Like I've talked about before, my favorite title was the European Championship. One of my first memories of that belt was Shano with the belt, but uh, but yeah, I I was I was really excited about that. Number twenty nine was Randy Orton. The St. Louis crowd pops because for whatever reason they forgot that Vince McMahon will absolutely not let somebody win in their hometown. And then at number thirty was fucking Brock Lesnar. <sighs> fucking Christ, Brock just lost his match to Bobby Lashley like literally two segments before this. When did they do the drawing for the men's rumble? Like, I feel like that's something that they do, like, whenever everybody gets to the building. Like, how can you actually explain that Brock Lesnar gets to be number 30? That's so, just from a kayfabe perspective, it's so dumb. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But the second Brock Lesnar comes out at 30, we all know what the fuck is going to happen next. Final four is Brock Lesnar, Shane McMahon, Matt Riddle, and Drew McIntyre. Riddle gets thrown out with the quickness. Shane right after. Brock F5's Drew outside of the ring for the win. I typed, bro, what in the actual fuck? <laughs> like, this is so, like, just, just the two most deflating endings in both Rumble matches. Just, oh my God, I can't fucking believe it. Uh, my final notes on this match, not a lot of star power, no use of the forbidden door that had been getting teased like a motherfucker the last few weeks, and a very deflating ending. I give it a C-, which I think is being generous. My overall grade for the Royal Rumble 2022 pay-per-view is a C. I don't want to go as far as to say it was the worst Royal Rumble, but it was far from a good Royal Rumble. I had high hopes that WWE was laying off of the hokey booking bullshit after day one because like day one was a solid show and I was, for whatever reason, expecting that it was a sign of good things to come. I was wrong. Seth versus Roman, like I said at the top of this, I was expecting that that was going to happen at WrestleMania. More than likely, if it does, it's going to be a triple threat with Brock Lesnar. My final note, I'm sleep. I fucking... Oh my god. I'm about to close my laptop. Oh my god. I I I want to apologize for this episode, guys. I I don't like being super pessimistic on here. You know, I've talked before that I try to avoid talking about as much negative stuff as I can because I want to be positive. That's why I say I won't do things such as top 10 worst lists because I don't want to focus on the bad. I would not have reviewed this show if I had something else planned for today, but I didn't. Like I wanted to do more event reviews because that's the kind of stuff that people want to listen to. And with a big show like this, the Royal Rumble being one of the WWE's biggest shows of the year, really only being topped by WrestleMania, you kind of have to talk about something like that. And I was expecting to enjoy it, and I did not enjoy it. I think the two worst fucking endings for the Royal Rumble matches is what we got. I'm thinking that maybe the the WWE just decided that we just don't need to have nice things anymore for a while because we had a pretty decent run since they started doing the men and women's Royal Rumbles together. We had a pretty decent run of winners. So the first men and women's Royal Rumble was in 2018. The men's winner was Shinsuke Nakamura. The women's was Asuka 
which I think everybody popped for both of those. We did not know that the Shinsuke match at WrestleMania wasn't going to be very good. We had high hopes in the beginning, so we were all cool for that. Right after that, in 2019, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, the big power couple, they win their respective Royal Rumbles. We were all cool with that. In 2020, Charlotte Flair and Drew McIntyre. I think Charlotte, people were really starting to sour on at the time, but it's still like it made sense that she would win. So I think everybody was still kind of fine with it. And then obviously Drew McIntyre at that time was being groomed to be like the next big badass in the WWE. So it made sense. In 2021, you had Bianca Belair and Edge winning, which that was like, I guess, kind of the most popular picks you could have done across each one of the Rumbles. I think everybody wanted to see both of those winners. And then this year you had Ronda Rousey versus Brock Lesnar. I don't know anybody, just off of what I've seen from my friends on social media, I don't know anybody that wanted to see either one of these two win. And that's just such a fucking bummer. Because like I said, like, I I don't watch the WWE on a regular basis, but after watching day one, I thought it was actually a solid show, and I had high hopes for the future of WWE. Maybe 2022, this company decides, hey, a lot of people are tuning out of our shows and watching other stuff, watching Impact, watching AEW. We really need to pick it up in the wrestling and storytelling department. It really felt like they were going to do that. And then this match happened, and then it just seemed like some lol WWE shit. And I, like I said, one more time, I want to apologize because I don't like being overly negative on this show. I think next time if I decide to review a show and it winds up being this underwhelming, I'm just going to find something else to talk about. We'll do a watch along for some random better show because I don't know if I can do this again. I feel dirty right now. Like I feel like I need to go take a shower and get the dirt off of me. I'm so upset. So if you didn't enjoy this review, I apologize. If you did enjoy this review for some reason, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. This has been the main event heat Royal Rumble 2022 review. That's going to do it for us this week. If you would like to send in your opinions on the Royal Rumble or literally anything else, you can do so by sending an email to maineventheat at yahoo.com. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can do so by finding at SweetSexyRob on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to support the show, the best way to do that is by picking up a t-shirt over at prowrestlingtees.com slash robweathers. And once again... Thanks for hanging out.